1: Hello and welcome to the Liz Earl Wellbeing Show. I'm Liz Earl, and I will be speaking with leading experts and familiar faces from the world of well-being to bring you wellness wisdom you can trust. From fitness to gut health, mood to menopause, you will quickly learn how to spot a gem of wellness wisdom from a passing fad. And this week, I am so delighted to be joined in the studio by one of the world's most sought after makeup artists, Mary Greenwell. Mary has worked on some of the world's most memorable magazine covers and beautified famous faces. So many of them, including Linda Evangelista, Cindy Crawford and, of course, the late Princess Diana. Now, today, her celebrity clientele include Kate Blanchett, Jessica Chastain, Lily James and Uma Thurman. And we've had a riveting, very candid conversation about her life journey so far, including finding herself in the United States at the age of 18 with just $18 to her name. She also shared how a chance encounter started her winning partnership with the amazing legendary hairdresser, Sam McKnight. And she spilled the beans on how we might replicate a little of her makeup magic at home, including her personal thoughts on injectables and the rise of fillers. She is completely brilliant. I can't wait to see your comments on my Instagram. And don't forget that if you'd like to watch Mary and I chatting in action, you will find this interview on the Liz Earle Wellbeing YouTube channel. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. (music) Mary, I am so thrilled that you're here. Thank you so much. I do feel like I'm in the BBC. It's really, really professional in here. Well, thank you so much. I mean, much. these microphones are heaven. It's all it's all happening. It is. And I am just so delighted to have you because I have obviously known you for a long time. We go back a long way. We do. Kind of old school. And what's amazing about you is that your career as a makeup artist started back in the day before there were even such things as makeup artists. It really did, actually.
0: I mean, my first um, when I did my first cover for for Glamour in nineteen, in, sorry, in ninety yes, nineteen seventy, let's say 75, 76, I don't know which date it was. Gosh. The person who who told me to go and do the makeup on Brooke Shields was actually a professional makeup artist, but but the credits in the magazine was was so unimportant. Right, she didn't care. That it's a Mary. Really? Mary, you go and do the makeup.
1: You go and do the cover. Yes, and that was, goes, was that the first job that you had. Yeah, well,
0: I went. I went to to New York to work with a company called Il Maquillage, mm. which was a very one. It still exists, but it was at the time it was a very much actually Nas based his whole collection on that because it was such a wonderful expansive line at the time, and no right. one was doing it. Yeah. it was very much a professional makeup artist makeup line. So, um. Free was opening up in LA in 1975. So my boyfriend at the time came into the, Joe Allen's where I was working and serving seating people because I always used to drop food and forget orders to so forget that so I was very good at saying to um, you know Paul Newman hi come in you know welcome sit down to your normal table every day I was quite good at that and yes. getting drunk at the bar, bar with Jack Lemon every afternoon after everyone gone you know back was, I, mean, I had strong, such fun Ray. and so on. on a, yes it was really fun and then on one Sunday the, my, this lovely man who I was going out with who was opening up for you, which is a franchise in Los Angeles mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills came in on Sunday. And said with his work partner and said, Why mm. hadn't we thought of you before? You'd be, you know, perfect to run the makeup counter. And I was 20, 23 or something. I said, i d I'd never worn makeup in my life. And I was like, Are you kidding? This face has never worn makeup. So we kind of they went, Never mind, never mind, you know, would you like to do this? I said, Well, of course. I mean, you know, I was such a lost,
1: I was a really lost. How, how, how did you get to be in the States for, for the first place? Oh. Where, where were you born and brought oh, up? Right, so right sorry.
0: Back. Yes, let's go way back. So I was brought up in Sussex in, in England, in, mm. in, in, the, in the South. And my father was retiring from um, his international job and at a very young age and suggested that we went around the world with him or have a coming out party because I was on the, at that cusp of either you had a coming out party or you didn't. It right. was like something yes. you didn't have to do. And that was what, aged 18? It's aged 18. Mm-hmm. So I quickly said, no, I'd much rather go around the, around the world with you. And my sister who was incredibly different from me. said, oh, no, I'm much rather having a coming out party. And they literally tossed So on. she was a twin. She my actually, twin. She was your twin. Yes. Yeah, so
1: you had the choice. Lucky I won. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's literally a toss of a coin. Otherwise, you could have had that debutante party and gone off and married married a stockbroker, and it would all be very different.
0: (laughs) They probably wish I had done that, (laughs) but um, it wasn't quite the toss of a coin. But it was like, okay, let's talk about this. And I sort of anyway, was realized it was much more beneficial for me to go around the world with him. So my father took us with him, with my mother, and we were eighteen in Hong Kong, in fact.
1: Amazing. And you literally
0: went around the world. Yeah, we literally went around the world. And the last stop before coming home was New York. And I'd always had my plan that I wouldn't be going back to London, mm. coming back to England at all. And I remember looking out of the window. We'd been we'd been in Hawaii visiting friends, and my father's friends in Hawaii. And we looked out the window and we flew into San Francisco. And I turned around to my sister and said, isn't that wonderful? That's where I want to be. Isn't that amazing? She was like, oh, really? I just want to go back to London. She just couldn't wait get to get back to her, her yeah posh life in london and so anyway that was how different we are so we got to new york and my father's and i had my plan hmm. and i had a wonderful cousin who lives down in who lived down in philadelphia and we'd stayed with them too and the last stop was new york before they we were going back to london and i said to my father i'm not coming back with you and he said oh darling what are you going to do so well i'm going to go and stay with penny for a while and then i'm going to um, go drive around America with another friend of mine who was living, who was doing exactly that, driving around America with a friend of hers mm. in, who I was going to meet them in Maryland. So my father said, but darling, your visa is only stamped for three weeks. And I said, well, never mind. I'm sure I'll work that. I said, anyway, he was so sweet. He took the morning off all his meetings, took me down to immigration in New York City, where, where at that point there wasn't this sort of flux of immigration really it was even before kind of cuba so it was there was hardly anyone there and we sat in immigration all morning and my father with me which was like actually it's heartbreaking for me now even to think about it it's so touching to make me legal and um, i I know it's so touching and so we got me extended so to speak yes and then um i waved them at the from the Posh Hotel in New York Bay mm. and he gave me um three hundred pounds, which would be equivalent to three hundred dollars, which would be equivalent to like three thousand pounds now, as you can imagine, in the in wow. the seventies. In the early seventies. And just left
1: you to get on with it. And
0: left you get on with it. Because that's how independent we've yeah. been we've grown up. We never had any parenting, my sister and I. Mm. And hence we were both very wild, in fact. Wait. And very independent and very wild and sort of very mm. without focus. We weren't given any direction. Right. So I never had any direction until I started working, in fact. So, you know, I was always, I feel I've actually really grown up in the last 10 years, frankly. Because um, unlike you, and that's it's at what so age? inspiring. Oh, so, I'm not going to say my age okay. right now. No, fine. But you know, ten years but, ago, everyone can mm-hmm. work that out by the dates yep. I've given them. Yeah, you really want to. But um, it's sort of—I really feel that I have only grown up very recently. Yeah. And that's partly due my that my sister has passed away. So that made me grow up very yes. fast, yes. and to take on take on her beautiful as a responsibility—not yes. to live with me, but as a responsibility her her son, my nephew. My who nephew, I who's adored. now how old? He's 23. Right. And so it was, you know, quite a challenge for him. To, yeah. he, was, he was 16 when she passed away. So oh, gosh, it was sorry. a big challenge. But anyway, to go back to um, my are th- selfish story. There I am in New York so You've got a pocket
1: full of cash. And presumably was,
0: the cash then runs out. Oh, you're so right. So anyway, so, so, then, I, <laughs> so I go down so, and I meet my friends. And then the girl in the back of the car with my friend, who I was, she was a friend, but not very, very close. We got on really, really badly no i think you're gonna say really well no no i longed for her to actually hear this so i can't remember (laughs) my name and so we got on really really badly and by the time we got to chicago i was sitting in the back of the car crying my eyes out and anyway that's so we got then finally got to denver and we while we were in l.a we had lunch with my doctor's daughter who was 10 years older than me. She'd been living in LA about six years already and she was um, a writer on the Herald tri- Tribune, which um, mm. Los Angeles Herald Tribune, which is the other newspaper from the Sunday from the Los Angeles Times. And so she was; um, she wrote, she, she critiqued movies and she interviewed celebrities. That's what she did, right? So she was my absolute contact in LA. So I called her up from, no mobile phones, don't forget. No. I called her up in her office and said, Bridget, I'm really unhappy and I really want to come... I didn't want to go home but I didn't know what to do and she was so amazing she said listen darling give me one hour I'm going to make a telephone call call me back in an hour and we'll have a plan so um that was that so I called her back in an hour and she said right darling go to the MGM Grand Hotel and you have three nights free there and you can think about what to do you can either go back to London or you can come and be with me in LA I'm just giving you three nights to think about it good
1: heavens
0: so <laughs> off i went to the i know it was amazing so i went to the MDM grand hotel which you know at the time was a very grand hotel it wasn't like a 14th nowadays we're talking about the 70s mm. but at the time it was the best hotel in denver and stayed went in with my little hippie beaver t-shirt and, and and said um you know i'm checking in they went well who are you i said well my name is mary greenwell i am in the they looked at me and they looked at my t shirt and they looked at the my no luggage and they looked at everything about okay. They took me up with this incredible suite at the top of the hotel. No. Where yeah. Where I had three nights to think about my future. And this girl who I couldn't get, she came up to the top of the hotel and said, oh, how lovely. Can we all stay here? I said, no, you <laughs> cannot. Out you go. So I was really, I said, if you can have a meal. I'll give you a meal. Because I got everything signed off, right? So I gave them a the meal and that was the last I saw of them. Anyway, and so am I sitting in the hotel feeling really quite sort of special and thought, okay, how do I get to LA? I'm definitely going to go to LA. Mm. So I put a sign in the local health food shop saying, need a trip to Los Angeles. You know, need, can I? Whatever. you need a lift. You need a lift. So um, I got a telephone call and this, Young man picked up and said, You know, I'm going to LA. You know, can you drive? And I went, Yeah, I can drive. I went, Great, great. well you can come with me then? So I said, Well, I've got to meet you first. So, suddenly, from like, you know, a yes. note in the health food shop, I'm now suddenly going, I've got it's to meet you first, guy. right? So he said, Okay, where should I meet you? He said, Come and meet me. Can you come meet me in the restaurant in the AMDM Grand? He came along. He was really gorgeous. I can't remember his name because it's so long ago. And he writes, I was like, Hi. He said, Excuse me, why are you hitching to LA when you're staying here and yes. you're, you're giving me lunch? I said, it's just a whole story we don't need to go into. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so he said, great, we'll leave at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, let's say. Mm. So I got in the back of the car. I got in the front of the car with him, and we immediately picked up two Jesus freaks in the back of his white VW van. And I thought, I am living my hippie dream. This, this is, is unbelievable. And also, he wants to go via San Francisco, than straight to LA. And so, I'm oh, on my way phrase. to San Francisco in a white VW van with two, v- two Jesus freaks in the back and this divine sweet man. And then, you know, then about sort of halfway through this, because I don't know if you know, the drive from Den from Denver to San Francisco is one complete straight road. Very
1: straight road, isn't it? Through yeah. the desert. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Anyway. Oh, it's
0: quite a trip. It's quite a trip. So we we were, you know, you can do it in one day. It's not like, you mm. know, so. Anyway, so halfway through the day, he said, you know, I'm really tired. Can you take over, Mary? So no problem. I'd never driven on the wrong side of the road before. I'd never driven a great big. The VW um, bus before, and I, I'd only just passed my test in England. Okay, right. So I only had my provisional license, which in the oh. olden days was a little red book.
1: I do remember this. Do
0: you remember this? Yeah. So anyway, and we we're driving on, and then suddenly we we're like, "Ding, nee, 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 behind <sighs> us. So I said, "What does that mean?" They said, "Pull over." <laughs> okay, pull over. And so the police were standing beside us by the van, by the van and. um and by the way, in the back of the van, they were spoken spliff like it was Scandinavian style. But it was such a gentle time. No one, you know, it was like that's right. how it was. So yes. harmless, you know. No mm-hmm. one was like there was wasn't the, wasn't the aggression there is now. Mm. So the policeman came out of the van and said, "Hello," and I said, "Hi." Is it? Can we see your driver's license? So they'd obviously checked he was completely legal on their system. You know, mm. the man that he was insured and registered and all of that. Yeah. Can we see your driver's license? So I showed them my little provisional license, and they said, uh, "We'll be back." They came back and said, "Um, this is illegal. You know, this is a provisional license. I said, but it, I, I promise you I passed my test in England. Said, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, ma'am. But you have to go be, you, it was a Friday evening. I remember Friday afternoon. I'm afraid you have to go, you know, we have to keep you behind here because you have to go and see the judge on Monday morning. What? So I was like, no no so i started to cry pathetic little 18 year old crying with her english accent crying my eyes out and the guys are like oh god oh this is such a mess anyway so they can the 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 policeman went back to their car came back 10 minutes later, and mm. said right you to me mm. get in our car mm. and you boys follow us up the hill to the judge's judge's house and she'll see he'll see her now i mean oh. it's like it, it, this what? doesn't happen nowadays so you saw the judge so I went up, saw the judge, yeah. who was absolutely divine. They gave, they gave teas and sandwiches <laughs> to the boys outside. No.
1: Oh, come on, Mary. Oh, this only happens to it's you. The, but it's
0: a true story. And I went in and sat with the judge and his beautiful wife, having, by the way, got to the top of this hill with his most amazing view of all the mountains of Denver, of course, because the judge lives there, right? He was divine. He said, what are you doing? You're 18. You're dead. I mean, lecture, not, not get out, back to home as soon as possible. Mm. When I left, he said, how much money do you have? And I said, oh, $20. And he said, he gave me $100 and said, I don't expect it. you no. to ever pay me back. I don't expect to ever hear from you again. This money is to help you get to Los Angeles, and I want you to fly straight home. You're too young to be in L.A., in America, on your own. So I went, thank you so much. Went out to the car, drove down the hill with the boys. and I've got money. And we went, immediately went to the... Immediately went to... <laughs> the immediately went to... We doctors. spent
1: your plane fare.
0: We spent my you know, we spent my best. My safe, safety money, so to speak. Yes. I had my plane fare. My father
1: had obviously left right, me with a ticket. Okay. Right.
0: And so we went up to drop the boys off in San Francisco. You know, they were really um, happy to get a meal out of me and, not, you know, because we really had nothing. Yeah. And then we drove down from San Francisco to L.A. and, and the, my sweet um, co-partner in crime said, um, do you mind dropping up, going into San Quentin so I can say hello to a friend of mine? Like, Are you kidding? To go to a now now a uh, security jail in the Middle of America to go to San Quentin prison? What fun. Of course I want to go. <laughs> So, so here am I. So you drive up to St. Quentin. It's like, you know, all the police and all, I mean, yeah, all the high guards security. high security. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I've never been in prison before. This is amazing. This is a whole new experience. Anyway, obviously he wasn't a very um, criminal person we were visiting because it was, you know, he was obviously, I didn't know what he was in for. He was a very sweet man. And we stayed there for like an hour and then we drove down to LA. Then the, nice. other, the next bit, then we get into LA. Um, Bridget just said to me, I live in 2425 Wonderland Avenue, which is off Lowell Canyon. So I said, well, which is it? 24, 25. I can't really ask her again because I've asked her twice already. Mm. So we were driving up and down Lowell Canyon and my poor driver said, you know, Mary, which is it? 24, 25. I said, I don't know. So I so said, I'm sorry, but, you know, there, there was no 20, they start in the thousands of numbers, okay? Mm. So I said, I we'll just I'll just go into the house to make a telephone call. So I went to the bottom of Lowell Canyon. We went to the bottom of Lowell Canyon and um, I knocked on someone's door and mm. this man with a shotgun was looking straight at me, what? what do you want? So I said, well, I need to make a telephone call. I wasn't scared of shotguns. i mean, looking down them all my life to clean my father's shotguns after shooting. So I was like, well, I just want to make a telephone call. Well, you know, aren't you part of the Manson gang? I went, no, no, no. I just really want to make a telephone call. I'm completely lost in Long Canyon. So so anyway, I convinced him that I was actually... With your lovely English accent. Yeah, i so naive and so stupid. And so he let me make a telephone call. And then, no, darling, it's 2425, 2425. Oh, I see. So we drive up the hill again, and then they stop us. That's that. And as we were walking in, my lovely friends were about to go off and see a movie. In fact, and they um and I said to my my um, her her person who was sharing a house with, who was a work partner, and what they wasn't love partners. And I said, Are you going past a tobacconist on your way up from the movie? He said, What on earth is tobacconist? I said, Well, where you buy cigarettes? Oh, we don't we don't know that word in America. So we said, like, oh, really? Well, that's, and you've got to have, to have your education. Anyway, so off they went to the movie, and Bridget said, do you want to come for breakfast with me tomorrow morning? I was like, well, sure. So the next morning, we got up and said, where are we going for breakfast? We said, oh, I always thought i have breakfast with Clint Eastwood. Oh, so in my first 24 hours in Hollywood, I had breakfast oh. with Clint Eastwood. And that obviously set the tone. And that set the tone for my entire Hollywood experience, in fact.
1: And you we were working at the Fiorici makeup counter at that time or you you, you, you no, went no, on no. to do that. So, when, so that when, was when then you stayed. I, yes.
0: So then I stayed mm. and I was actually in Hollywood for all of nine nine years, all through the seventies. Really? Yeah. But what I did was I went up to San Francisco and lived there for a while mm. working in art galleries. So I was always very artistic as a child, so that was yeah. my thing. And then, you know, I worked in different restaurants and I was but can I just say something? Through this, I might have been artistic, but I was terribly confused. And I will not gonna lie to anybody, I was a really quite a lost child because yeah. I didn't have I felt that, you know, my parents were amazing, but they were quite Victorian, which meant they gave you no direction at all. Right. None. So I didn't Mm. really know how I was going to, how my life was going to map out. I had no help in decisions to make when I was a child. You must have felt quite lost. Um, I think, I think, I think I did feel on reflection, it would be lost. As far as I'm concerned, I was like many, many other people I knew. Yeah. There were so many of us who felt the same way as I did, which basically directionless, more than lost. Yes. Um, because at the same time I was having an amazing time and, you know, just terribly confused and directionless, but just always praying that my angels would look after me, which they had done so pretty far at this point. You know, I I was doing very well. Yeah, and there was a lot of kindness around me. I think think that I've never been manipulative. I've never been... um, I hoped, I pray to God, I've never treated people badly. I think, therefore, you know, there's been a certain amount of blessings that have been given to me from mm. from the heavens. Yeah. And I'm not religious, but I do think, you know, to be kind of aware of, of um, other people makes makes things yes. easier for you yeah. and, as a human being. Yeah. So um, you were
1: doing makeup and you began to do covers through friends and contacts. Where did your partnership with Sam McKnight, the amazing hairdresser come in because you became so well known as a duo, didn't you? Mary Greenwell makeup, hair, Sam McKnight. I mean, that is just a legend that trips off the tongue of so many fashion magazines and covers over the years. Yes.
0: Well, that started when I moved to Paris in 1984 in the spring of 84. when all the supermodels arrived at that, mm. that same time. And we were, I was living in the same hotel as Linda Evangelista, Chrissy and We were all in the same hotel together on Rue Saint-André-des-Arts. And... Um, and so this is 1984. And Cindy was there. And I was then, that's when work really picked up for me. And I got to Paris with Pamela Hansen, was working in London. She was a great photographer. She was a wonderful mm. photographer. And she was doing Harpers and Queen in London when I was working at Harpers and Queen here. And she said, oh, come to Paris. There's no one in Paris. There are no makeup artists in Paris yet. You know, it really hadn't taken off. There were very few... So I came to Paris to be with her and other photographers and then started working with Grace Connington and Vogue, et cetera, yeah. immediately, which was amazing. I was so blessed. Incredible. Yeah. And,
1: and is Sam, that where you,
0: you palled up with Sam? So Sam knew about me. And the, the winter of 84, 85, I had a New Year's party, New Year's Eve party in London. And Sam was in London. And it became, as everything does in, in London, it's like, you know, wildfire gossip or yes. news so um sam said to someone whose name i'm not going to mention you know mm. i really want to go to mary i really want to meet mary greenwell It'd be really great to meet her she's having a new year's eve party and the, the, the other person oh i don't really care about that and some, and so <laughs> sam said no i'm going i'm going so sam crashed they, they crashed my new year's eve party Did that's he? how i met him and, and then just, you worked
1: together for so and then, many years and
0: you still work together mm, and that was in 84 and then i moved to new york in 85 and yeah. we moved in together did you really? Yeah. We, we we had a communal house in Jane Street where like there were six of us living. Gosh.
1: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Yeah, and you have become so well known in, in I mean, you've gone down in sort of makeup artist legend for being so responsible for Princess Diana, the Princess of Wales, when she was alive, with creating her makeup look and the iconic covers, the Vogue magazine yes. covers, together with Sam. Yes. How did that happen? How did you meet her and create that look?
0: Um, that happened because one day Sam and I were given, you know, a call sheet to go to the studio to meet her with Patrick Margellier and and, and the lovely Anna Harvey, who is no longer with us. So Anna Harvey was at Vogue. Anna Harvey's was, but she was also styling Princess right. Diana at the time. Oh, was she? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so she put this cover together for Vogue. Mm-hmm. And Patrick was taking the pictures. So um, Sam and I were told to turn up that day, but just look present. We always look presentable. But yes. Sam was told to wear a tie. Was he?
1: Yeah. Can't imagine him. I don't think I've ever seen him in a tie.
0: Yeah. And so because of that, you know, he turned up in a tie, and yes. um, I was wearing normal white shirt and trousers and whatever. And the, So then we weren't told who we weren't allowed to. We weren't told who the, the model was. Right. Model, sorry. Yes. The, whoever. The, the, yes. This incredible person. And so when um, we walked, we were so used to working with models at the time, the, the celebrity world hadn't opened up yet at all. Right. And so in what Princess Diana, you know, we were told when we arrived that, you know, mm. actually the person who we you're making up today and looking after today is Princess Diana. We were, great, you know. Okay, super. great. Yeah, super yeah. fantastic. So she walked in and I curtsied and bowed and that was it.
1: Yes. And, and she was divine and she was so lovely. I can't tell you. You obviously had a great rapport because I think when you are applying your fingers to somebody's face Mm. i mean it's a very intimate moment isn't it extremely you're invading their space literally you really are actually and often a total stranger you've never met before but yeah i mean this happens you know
0: when whenever you work with especially not with so much with models because they're used to it that's what they've been told to do you know from the age of 16 17 18 when they get in the modeling you know you are there as literally a model you know you will adapt you will Mm. you will adapt, you will, take, you will take on the expression someone wants to, do, but you will not have an opinion of your own at all. Yeah. But with celebrity, it's very different. They always have an opinion and rightly so. Mm. And they also you are much more where I have much more. Um, I have enormous amount of respect for someone very, very young who's doing this a career, but I have more respect for someone who's doing this sort of they have to do these pictures or they have to go on the red carpet or they have to do this now that they, they are established already in what they're doing. This is just a tag to what they normally do. Yeah. Yeah. So I have more respect for that kind of person in a sense. And I have no disrespect to models, but I have more. Um, well, I guess I'm just a little bit um, considerate of what they might think of what yes. I'm doing to them.
1: Well, they're not being employed to create a look. They are themselves. Exactly. Aren't they? And, and they have to bring out the
0: best of to create themselves.
1: Themselves right yes
0: and then employing me to create the look yeah. so if they don't like something like you know if, you would never put a red mouth on someone if you knew they didn't like it yes you might ask them if they want a red mouth would try you would never assume mm. that mm. someone can say you know it's as with someone of a model you know oh right so let's do a beauty look of a red mouth and, and no makeup and they kind of go i know i makeup, and they go whatever they're yeah. so beautiful also they're so beautiful they can wear anything yes but the more Famous you become, yeah. and the more you established you become, the more sure you are about the looks that suit you. Mm, and sure. the more you work with that when you're working as a makeup artist. And you don't want to be made into something else that you're not. Absolutely not. Mm. Nor do you want to be the one to do that, by the way. <laughs> you know, to the risk of not ever being employed again. Right. So, you know, you want to always
1: work with them and you work you really make yeah. it work together. Because looking at your Instagram, which I adore. There's you're always working very much with actresses and, you know, I mean, super famous names. But I see you more working with them, perhaps than with the models.
0: Um, I think I, I did move my career more into celebrity. Yes, mm. I did. Um, and, you know, sometimes I miss working with these young girls that you can just basically do anything you want with them. Um, I miss sometimes that creativity, but I also really, really, really enjoy yeah. working with these beautiful people who have so much to offer as human beings, as like, you know, yeah. who are a little bit older, who yeah. aren't any, no longer 18. They're sort
1: of, you know, 30 or whatever. Well, Kate Blanchett, you do a lot. Yes. And you've been working with her for how long now? Um, 18 years. Long Actually, time. more, 20 years. So, I mean, you must have more of a friendship there. I mean, you, I I would I, like I, I know that you travel together and yeah. you know, I, I see you all over the world. I would like to think so. I think we are... Friends, absolutely, and yeah. you know, I—I would—I'm honoured to say that I think she's a friend. Yes. Yeah, and she has the most amazing skin. She really and loves. I saw her on stage at the National, and she was—it was looked as though she'd been lit by light bulbs from inside. I mean, just luminescent. I know, and imagine that's just like her
0: going on stage every single day. Yes. But she is naturally—I um, mean, she's so super clever. Yeah. I was listening to her yesterday, um, talking about Stateless, which is her new TV series. Mm. She's just done down in Australia about um, about the refugees in Australia. And listening to her talking to in much the same sort of situation as this, but actually one cameraman and one, mm. you know, what two mics, being so, I mean, so fluid and clever, and you know, just I mean, everything she said there wasn't a stutter, there wasn't a, a, a misplaced word, yeah. there wasn't anything untowards about what she was saying. It was like right on everything. I mean, I know this if is, this is rehearsed mm. for her, but she is so brilliantly clever and yeah. so kind, really. Mm. And that goodness just shows through. It does. It? She has so much time, like you do, Liz, let me say, so much time for everybody and, you know, her big family like you. Yeah. And she has a lot of time for everybody and everything.
1: Yeah. Brilliant. What's, where is your career now? I mean, where do you see yourself going? Because you've obviously had so much experience over the years and. A lot of that, you've worked with a lot of the names in the early days who've gone on to become big names. People like Charlotte Tilbury, for example, assisted My you. sister,
0: my darling sister, I'm so proud of her. It's amazing, thing, isn't it's amazing, it, you know,
1: to, to see that. Mm. Where, where, are you, where do you see your career now taking you?
0: I'm Well, I'm actually look, really excited about it. I'm doing a project with One One Skin, which is a fantastic small skincare line, mm-hmm. which is very high end and gorgeous. So I'm doing products with them. Yeah. And we're doing, it's colour. So, of course, they have all their gorgeous brands and, you know, different sections of their brand. But I'm coming in with colour now, Mm. meaning foundations and concealers and a few other things to give it more of
1: a colour aspect. An extension of skincare. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think you'd ever do a range? Do you think we'd ever see a Mary Greenwell range, just as we've seen so many of the other makeup artists put their names on things?
0: You know what? That's an open door. I mean, I can't Mm. say yes and I can't say no. I can't... um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm very happy with doing this project I'm doing right now. Yeah. So that's where my energy is going. Yeah. So by saying that, you you know, that is something... It would be too soon to say, I can't wait to do my own thing because I'm really excited about the project I'm doing. Yes. Um. You know, so it would be sort of slightly, really slightly dishonest, actually, if I was doing something knowing I was going to go off and do something on my own later. Yeah, you know? yeah sure. I'm very much focused on this right now.
1: Mm. And your makeup is known for being classically beautiful I mean I've seen covers and things that you've done in the past like with Naomi Campbell for example that have been really quite avant-garde and extraordinary but I think I mean looking at you today you are just so beautifully made up and it's you let the person come through and it's not the 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 makeup wearing you it's the person that is just being naturally enhanced do you have you seen that as a trend more these days as as makeup changes what sort of trends have you seen I mean I think
0: that the um I think that what the the Instagram is the biggest thing that happened to, to makeup, you know, and all these tutorials on Instagram are so amazing.
1: I learned how to do a smoky eye on Instagram. There you go.
0: <laughs> and it's just you really can learn whatever you want on, yeah. on Instagram. And there's some people who are really, really good at it doing the t- tutorials. Mm. Um, so that changes everything. So you can learn whatever you want. What I think happened when Instagram became such a big thing, and all this, and it's like more is more in some many cases. I think what happened on the runway is that everyone paired way back. So, you know, over the last three years, it's very normal to walk out on the runway. I'm talking about the fashion shows globally Mm. with absolutely no makeup on at all, except with lip stain or something. Absolutely. Then what has happened, which is also an Instagram phenomenon, which I love. I call it carnival makeup. That extraordinary yeah. makeup, which is like colours across the eyes and a swoop of this and a swoop of that. Yes, yeah, really it is playful. So, it's really playful and so colourful. So that also, there's a point you can only go so far with makeup before it turns into something else. Yeah. So yes, I think my strong point is hopefully, and I really love if that's what my reputation is, is to bring out the best in people. But also I love giving the chance to play, which you can once mm-hmm. in a while. I did a shoot um, with with Amelia Clark the other day, which is just so divine for, for Wonderland. I haven't, well, Wonderland, haven't you there There's There's my California coming back. For Wonderland, <laughs> which is just so extreme and gorgeous. You yes. know? And there's and I did one for, with Lily James last week, which hasn't come out yet, which will be divine. But most of the time I'm booked to do, you know, classic, gorgeous, bring out the beauty makeup. Mm. But I think that these, these young makeup artists who are really concentrating on carnival makeup, on color, on extremity, on, you know, splashing color across the table, across the face yeah. are extraordinary I mean yeah. I think they're really really great and you can get it down. you can do something I mean I what I do is I do something and that think that's great rather than be scared so you can't be scared when you're doing that kind of thing yes
1: you've got to go for I it I mean it's, got it's the go artist for it. bit of makeup artist isn't it
0: yeah but i think you know i think everything in makeup is more about the application and it's more about a it's a craft
1: more mm-hmm. than art now, I you're not you, working from a, a, a blank canvas no when you apply cuz you talk about application do you use fingers or brushes or sponges what's I'm your view i'm much more of a finger person Are you? i love i love my fingers
0: i love i mean i love my fingers and the way they feel on skin yes and brushes and things of course you have to use brushes on eyes of course you do mm. and you have to use but I'm very, I really love blending foundation in with the skin. With, with fingers, yeah. The final blend, if yes. you like, can be with a brush. Mm. But I think that now I've learned to do that, by the way. But before, I mean, I always used to use my fingers. But the thing mm. is, you know, when you're doing red carpet makeup for, for, for Instagram, when you know that it's going to be Getty, Getty Image, yes. and then you download it on your own Instagram page the next day, mm. Getty Image is the cruelest camera. Of them all, because really? it's Why? a flash, and there's no retouching. Right. So it's what you get there. is what you see. Right. So when you look at the picture the next day and go, "Oh my goodness," and the only person yeah. who's going to notice all the flaws is yourself. Yeah. Okay. Everyone else being going, "Wow, that makeup was fabulous." Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? You're thinking,
1: if only, if
0: only. If only. Yeah. So we've all become our own worst when anybody who does celebrity makeup has become their own worst critic. Okay. Mm. We are really good at analyzing everything we do. Yeah. So we've learned to really fine-tune. So if you're sweet enough and kind enough say I'm, you know, I bring out the best in people, it's because I've really, really fine-tuned that. Yeah. When you're doing when you're doing studio work, as in photography work in the studio, there's a lot of retouching that goes on. Yeah. yeah. And I think before it's what's happened now. I think a lot of makeup artists want to move into celebrity because they see it more as a sort of, um, what can how can I put it? It's like a sort of, it's like the last seal of your career. it's,
1: It's a real calling card. I mean, I remember having my photograph taken by Rankin and he was renowned for major retouching. And I said, oh, you know, is it okay? Can I use this makeup artist? Can I bring her along? And he said, listen, you can bring whoever you like. It really doesn't matter. I'm going to retouch your picture so much. That frankly, you know, you can almost be there with a bag over your head and it won't matter. And and sure enough, you know, he did. He did massively retouch and I, so much. So I don't think I actually look like me in the pictures. But, you know, I mean, it was a very nice image. Yes. But it wasn't me. I, yes. I didn't feel comfortable that it was that it was me at all. Yes. Um, so I think there can be too much of that. I noticed that you see, rarely seem to use false eyelashes. Yeah. you um, lashes or not? You know what? I use them sometimes. I I'm I'm
0: I think most people's lashes can be worked really well without false eyelashes. Yeah. Although I think again that's a very much Instagram thing. Put on a band of lashes and make lashes that make lashes bigger and longer, and the eyes mm. are, you know more dreamy and whatever. But I rarely use them because I really don't think they're necessary very often. Yes. Yeah, unless
1: they're. They're very one
0: step far too far into yeah unreality for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um,
0: and also, you know, lash extensions are so bad for your eyes. We all know that.
1: I, I did have some uh, a while ago. I was when they first came out and it resulted in all my eyelashes falling out. Yes. Which was so, a shocker.
0: It's a shocker. <laughs> so, you know, you think yeah. you're doing yourself a baby. you're so not. So, mm. you know,
1: I think maybe it's got better in the last few years. But when I maybe. had it done too, it was just mm. like I ended up with no lashes. No, exactly. Has your own makeup adapted over the years? And are there sort of hints that you would give to older women as we age as to what perhaps to go for?
0: Um, yeah. I think first of all I think that we all need makeup as we get older. Mm-hmm. And there's no denying it. That, you know, I love people to wear no makeup. I wear no makeup. We all we both wear no makeup on yeah, holiday. Yeah, for sure. And we've for seen sure. each other with no makeup. <laughs> yes. But I think we, in London
1: Yeah.
0: first of all it's a pollution barrier. Yeah, it is. It's very
1: protective. Right?
0: Yeah. And secondly, I mean why not put your best foot forward? Yeah. You know, it's simple as that. You know, do I really want people? Do I really want
1: people to see me looking tired when yeah. I know I can just put a bit of concealer on and I won't look tired any longer? Yeah, it is, I and mean, it's a lot about self-esteem, I think, and that inner confidence. You catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror. And- you feel slightly better. I mean, you I don't think we should better. be slaves to it. But yes, I mean, you know, you, I mean, I I say it's like... I'm going to say <laughs> a lot. Better. OK, well, you're allowed yeah. because you're a makeup artist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it
0: because. So anyway, but if you don't want to wear makeup, no problem. Yeah. But if you do, you know, I totally, totally am on your but side. But should we
1: be avoiding things like frosted shadows as we age? People say it falls into your wrinkles and. You yeah, know, I mean, if you agree, you know
0: don't wear silver frost frost maybe, but I mean oh, yeah. you know I wear sort of bronze frosty eyeshadows every day, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, I don't agree with high glitter on anyone for the day, frankly. No. You know, I think and you know I think there's basically wearing colours that suit you is really important. Yeah, there's only one way to go, which is black mascara. I don't even bother with brown or brown and what, yeah. why bother?
1: I know back in the day Princess Diana used to wear that bright blue mascara. She did. But that's, you that's got what her I, out of that. Yeah, I got her out of that. <laughs> That, that was the first thing i did dancing. no is it really
0: uh, okay. the first thing that's got to go ma'am <laughs> not even man it's got to go it's got to go no, she said of course ma'am but we had a very um, you know she was very 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 relaxed and i think you know yeah. the reason why we're there she was doing a bow cover to sort of mm. to be exposed and you know so yeah. she wanted
1: to look her best according yeah. to what we were doing so and then you carried on working mm, with her after. i did I did. Yeah. And where were you when she died? Because that's kind of a moment was, that we all remember. Isn't we it? do. And do you know what? It was
0: six, it was six o'clock in the morning, wasn't it? Yes. It was so early. And when we heard about it anyway. Yeah. And um, I remember I'd just woken up and I was in London. It was over the bank holiday. Mm,
1: yes, it was.
0: And, and I was in London and I'd just woken up and I turned the news on and I was with someone at the time and we both went, oh my goodness. <sighs> Such a and I called Sam Meadley,
1: and he was yeah. devastated. Yeah absolutely yeah. tragic absolutely and it tragic. must be amazing looking back at those pictures because it just keeps the memory alive so it much. does yeah yes. and i know you always post on the anniversary of her death there was yes. a great picture in, in august she's you know yeah. it was um she was extremely special mm, very beautiful looking ahead now what sort of things are you most excited by i think you know for me looking at makeup what i've noticed is the change in textures Yes. Everything is much easier to use. Everything just glides onto the skin. Do you remember back in the day when it was all very cakey?
0: I mean, this is the thing about makeup. The only thing, the only change that ever happens with makeup, because the colors are always going to be the same. The only thing that will ever happen with makeup to improve it is the texture. Yeah. And this gets better and better and better. So That's, much coming out of Japan. So, so much textures are amazing, aren't they? Amazing Korea and Japan. Yeah. But this is why people can go on doing new make- makeup lines and doing new things. because. You know the new the textures are so wonderful that mm. if you're creating something new nowadays, that's fine because there will be a different texture. Do you see? Yes. So um, that's the joy of it, and I think that I've always said this, and I couldn't agree with you more. The only new thing about makeup is the textures. Yes,
1: and, and also therefore
0: the pigments that go in the textures, yes. of course.
1: Yeah, so and the know, look
0: you get, what's yes. achieved by it, and the brighter greens and the brighter blues, and mm. you know all but all those cream, you know great big lovely cream products as so the blue blue the cr- really thick creams they've all been around forever then you know max yeah. factor had the most extraordinary palette
1: yes i remember going to the makeup museum in hollywood the hollywood makeup yes. museum that which was all max factor amazing yeah and the makeup that was used for the black and white movies when he first started to try and yeah. give some kind of contouring and definition to faces. And presumably you're not into contouring. Well, I am. Kim Kardashian style mm, No, I mean, I think first of all, I think Kim
0: Kardashian is an
1: inspiration to everybody. I mean, don't
0: yeah. don't, don't think that I don't love her because I do. Yeah. I'm going to fall in. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. I love her. <laughs> And I love her makeup artist Mario. I adore right, him. Right? Yes. I absolutely yeah. do. I think he's the sweetest, most wonderful, divine man. So, um, you know, her contour. She looks amazing. She does look phenomenal. And he can probably do her. In his sleep you know i'm Mm. sure you know it's like Mm. that easy for the the two of them together you know So such an incredible partnership um and so contouring it just went too far but it's pulling back so everything goes so far and then you pull back from it don't Mm. you really and Mm. i think what's happened now people are pulling back from that much
1: contour i but just adding a little bit
0: but we always have to yeah, why not but we always but we always did in the in the 80s we did mm. you know it's not a new thing contour isn't a new thing what made it new was the fact that people went so far with it right but shaping the face in any way was always part of the game yes
1: it was so just, you can use a, a darker brown you know under the the cheekbone is that or perhaps yes, along the jawline yes it's not a darker brown it's more like
0: a, a, a taupe Okay. So, in fact, when I was using contour in the, the 80s and 90s, the, no one was doing the right colors necessarily. But we always, there was one MAC color that was unbelievable. It was called taupe. And it was the most perf- perfect contour color, which means a brown with no red in it. Yes. Because what you're doing is creating shade. So if you put red underneath your cheeks, then you're bringing out the red. So you want something which is really, really
1: neutral. So it looks like you've made a shadow. It looks like your cheekbone is so beautifully angular that it makes a shadow. It's
0: almost on the verge of being a brown grey, you know, so hence the word taupe,
1: which is what it is.
0: Fantastic. Talking about
1: colour, talk me through your pink hair because I loved you with pink hair. Oh, me too. Thank you so much. I love my pink hair When did you go pink? um now three four years ago and you're not pink anymore
0: no I'm not pink anymore so why not are are we ever going to see you go back to pink? no probably not well maybe who knows but I don't think so because the reason why I did that is because I was becoming so gray and I was yeah I mean this is the truth I was becoming so gray that I had to actually um I had to keep coloring it every three weeks because otherwise roots come through there's nothing worse than someone who's very gray with big roots I mean it's just hideous especially if you're in the fashion industry so every three weeks I'm spending you know three hours in the hairdresser yeah. Oh, an hour and a half and so eventually I go back no longer so I thought well the only way to get rid of this is to go pink mm. and let the grey grey go in
1: right so which is what I
0: did grey like a kind of ombre so I let the so underneath of the pink was that grey growing yeah. in
1: yeah. without anyone ever knowing so it was a real strategy for changing your hair 100% color. 100% thought out and I love it now because now, but presumably that's not natural because you're yeah, sort of, so sort of natural. White, whiteish
0: blonde. Really? Yeah, so the white no is natural. Way. The blonde is not. But the white is very natural. So I can go it looks to the hairdresser. Amazing. Thank so you, chic. darling. Really, I can now go really to the, the hairdresser once every two, two months rather than once every three weeks and just have... have like my ninety nine percent grey, and then the one or two will just be bleached out. And then Nicola Clark, my wonderful colorist, mm. does everybody in London who yeah. we order door, will then put a sort of blonde rinse to it, so it doesn't look kind of like white and old and tired. It, so it certainly does It
1: looks really, really mm. super. Yeah. Before we go, talk me through the average day in the life of Mary Greenwell.
0: Um, the average day in life would well, You depends. an early riser? I'm very early riser. Are you? yes, yes I am. Um, I wake up between six. I wake up between 5 30 and 6 30 every day. Oh, yeah. You always have done? Um yeah, when I'm working you have to. Yeah. And when I'm not working, it's, it's a habit. Yeah. And um so yeah, between 5 30 and 6 30. If I'm not working, and I really don't have to be anywhere until eleven o'clock, you know, yeah. I might sort of toss and turn in bed for like half an hour or something, or an hour maybe, but sort mm. of dozing a bit, but not really. And then out of bed. And then um and then always a bath in the morning. Really? Always. Mm-hmm. I love my bath in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, Epsom salts in the bath every day.
1: Fabulous. Lots of magnesium.
0: Lots of magnesium. Mm-hmm. Um, then, and also, like, that's when the mask... So the bath is 20 minutes in the bath, right? So it's like the mask, the fa- the facial wash, the mask, the Clarisonic, which I adore. Yes. Do you like sonic? Is that the
1: radio frequency, the little gadget? Yes, the one that's got a brush. Mm-hmm. It looks like a big toothbrush. Oh, I know. Yes, yeah, so you kind of toothbrush your face. You toothbrush the your cleanser. face. Mm-hmm. Marvelous. It cleans very exfoliating. Absolutely, that's what I'm doing. So, you do that in the bath? Mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. oh, okay. I'm just bath. visioning this. Yeah, yep, so in-
0: <laughs> BBC Radio 4 is on. Yes, always. Heaven, <laughs> Heaven love. <laughs> um, I miss John Humphreys terribly. Yes, do that. Um, never mind. And then um, Cl- Cl- Clarisonic mask, mm-hmm. or probably maybe two masks. Maybe one that's going to be like, yeah, maybe maybe something that's going to be like fizz away and do something, and then something else is going to do something else daily.
1: Would you have a Well, of skin, no. Do I mean, it
0: depends how much time I have. Yeah. But there's always okay. something going on. Right. You know. What about like things like retinols?
1: Do you like using retinols on your skin? I'm not
0: very good with retinols.
1: Mm. I find them too strong for my skin. Yeah. They make me red. Do they do you like them? Yeah. Are you, I mean, I've experimented with them. I think they're very good. But for me, I like the super mild ones. Yes. You know, not the prescription ones, but the yes. really just gentle over the counter ones. Yeah. And I like hyaluronic acid as an ingredient. I love hydrochloric yeah. acid. I, yeah. find I love it. That that. Very, very plumping and. Moisturising,
0: and my favourite thing is Profilo. Do you know about Profilo? No. Profilo. Me. Oh my goodness, Profilo is this new treatment oh. whereby they inject your skin with hydrochloric acid. That's, so that's very scary. It's so not scary. So it's okay. If anyone who has Botox, they will so understand this. Okay. okay? So it's no more than that. Right. So it's injected like on ten places. One, two. Sort of all on the bottom half of your face, yes? yes. So not the, uh, below, ending below your forehead. Right. So they inject you on five places on each side. Um, and then it's a little thing. And what will happen is we'll come up with a tiny little swelling where the product has gone into your skin. Mm. So not good if you have a meeting an hour later, but right. it doesn't matter at all if you don't because no one's going to really care. And then if you go to someone good enough, you're not going to booze either, by the way. Right. And then the next day... It just sort of spreads like spaghetti on your face, you know, through your through your skin, really? and then ten days later you look ten years younger.
1: Okay, and it's called investi- Profilo. Profilo, I shall be investigating it's a, it. It's <laughs> such a good investment. Excellent. Do mm-hmm. you do any? I mean, are you into treatments and injectables and, I'm into, and stuff? I'm into. I'm into Botox. Yes, sure, a little
0: bit, and yeah. I'm into Profilo, which I yeah. love, and that's it. Yeah. That's it. I don't do fillers at all. I can't stand them. Yeah.
1: And presumably, you can tell if you're making somebody up who's got a face full of fillers. That must be.
0: Um. Yes, but well, you don't have to even touch them. You can just look at them. You know? Yes. I mean, I just I think fillers are really, really not for me. They but do, I well, they change the shape of your face. That's the they thing, really isn't it? do. But yeah. I totally listen. Whatever gets you through the night and day. Yeah. Whatever. If you yeah. want to have fillers, go for it. I mean, I'm not going to ever tell someone they can't do anything because it's just I'm not the. It's what you want. But the thing I will. What I do feel very strongly is people who have too much in their lips. Yes, and that's become a big deal. I was in the Connaught Hotel the other day, um, waiting to go up to someone's room, and there were all these people in there who were having lunch, all women on their own, literally sitting in the you know the breakfast in the p- little terrace in the, bit. Yes, yes, in the breakfast me. room, all doing selfies, kind of mm, you know pouting their lips and selfies, <laughs> and we were all going. What is this about? What's the world yeah. come to? This is the Instagram thing I'm so frightened of. Yeah. That you know, everyone is doing selfies, and so it's become a very obsessed world. And by the way, I'm obsessed. Sometimes the first thing I do in the morning when I wake up is check my Instagram account. Yes,
1: it's very I mean, addictive.
0: It's so addictive, mm. and I know I'm not the only one no, that does that. No, by any stretch of the imagination. No way. So no way. And you know, we all check how many how many followers we've got. We all yeah. do it all the time. Yeah. But anyway, all to say is that the girls doing selfies in public i'm not
1: so sure about no and the big lips just be careful and i would worry about stretching the skin actually overstretching it and then what happens when it goes back again
0: um i don't think we ever let it go back again how about that oh really yeah that, oof, well i mean i
1: don't think one does once no, you've started you're not going back you it's, know it's high maintenance how do you get your moments of well-being in the day what do you do to take care of you um i do
0: pilates do you yep um i do pilates i do my well-being is i I mean, I hang out with friends quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not very spiritual, unlike you.
1: Well, I think, you know, we just find our own place. We find where we are.
0: Yes. But um, hopefully I'll become more spiritual. You never know.
1: Yeah. Are you. I mean, you mentioned angels before. Do you feel supported and guided?
0: Yeah. I, I used to really firmly believe in angels Um. until I was with a boyfriend who was super clever and wonderful, and wonderful, wonderful. Uh, psychoanalysis in Paris. And he was like... You know, I used to say there's angels under the bed you say, like, Oh, don't be so stupid. So I mean, and I love him still, by the way, he's one of my best friends. Yeah. He sort of made me banish that because it, it wasn't like a religion where I could really stand up for it. Yes. So I'm um, being easily swayed and easily led, obviously. Um, I kind of um kind of lost that ability to say they're under the bed now. Mm-hmm. or I should, I think I should bring them back. But I do genuinely believe there are people that look after you. Around and around. There are angels that do look after you 100%. Yeah.
1: 150%. Well, you've clearly been looked after over the years and I do hope that you continue to be. Thank you, Mary. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And that is it for today's episode. Now, as always, you will find all the links and resources mentioned on today's show over on the website lizarlwellbeing.com There you can also sign up for my free weekly newsletter for more well-being wisdom including, of course, after today, lots of beauty tips, healthy recipes and behind-the-scenes treats. Huge thanks to all of you who have left us such lovely reviews. It really does help others to find the show and make a difference. So until the next time, go very well. Bye-bye. <music> This Liz Earl Wellbeing show is presented by me, Liz Earle, and hosted by Amaryllis Earl and Harry Trevithick at Heart Dialogue. With thanks to my producer, Ellie Smith, and guest booker, Millie De La Marnier. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ.
0: The cat